You may be seated. Thank you so much, Stephen and the team. It's so good getting to worship. It's so good getting to be led in worship by uh, Stephen, who was, uh, thank you, uh, who was one of our uh, worship leaders in the youth ministry and did a fantastic job. Stephen even interned with me for a few years, so uh, it takes me back to good times, good memories. If you don't know me, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm so glad that you are here with us this morning as we continue uh, our study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, We've been talking about how we cross from death to life according to what Christ has done. Now this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, just as we read verses 1 through 16. If you need a Bible, you can put your hand up or follow us along on YouVersion on the Bible app. Uh, As many of you know, just uh, from being in church for a while or reading that passage and looking at it, uh, you would say, man, the theme here that we're going to be talking about is unity within the body of Christ. That's true. That is a key theme and element within this text that we're going to be looking at. Uh, but that's not the primary focus of what we'll be addressing this morning, and here's why. As I've been preparing for this over the past few weeks, uh, God's been kicking my tail. (laughs) He's been speaking to me directly about what he would want to say both to me and I believe to you this morning. So it's my hope, my prayer that God would, that he would just speak directly to our hearts, that we would remove the distractions from our minds, that we would dive deeply into God's word and see what he has for us this morning. So with that being said, let's just open in a word of prayer and uh, we'll dive into Ephesians chapter four. Let's pray. God, would you help us this morning to hear from you? Lord, to just be still before you. God, that you would speak to our hearts. That you would take precedence. That you would empower your spirit to both be known here in this place, but also to enable the words of the pages of scripture, the words that come from my mouth, Lord, to to be your words, to speak to us in a new and fresh way. God, we love you. We pray these things in your holy and precious name name. Amen. Well, you'll have to forgive me. My voice is a little bit scratchy this morning. Um, I'm convinced that uh, the enemy wants nothing more than for you to be able to hear what God has to say to us this morning, so much so that yesterday uh, he started taking my voice. So we're going to get through it here. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to dive in. We'll look primarily this morning at verse one, and I believe with all of my heart that in verse one there are three key words that we need to realize, that we need to recognize, and that we should remember. The first key word is the word therefore. Paul, the apostle, is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, which has had all kinds of drama and problems and issues, if you will. <laughs> And yet, Paul, from prison, is writing this letter to do two things, to encourage them in their understanding of their identity in Christ, but also to help them understand how they should live their lives, their day-to-day lives in Christ. And so we see this word, therefore. In verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul is talking for the past three chapters. And so now he gets to this point where he says, I, therefore a prisoner for the Lord, and he goes on and he he says, I urge you to live a life 
worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Our first key word is therefore. Pastor R likes to say, what is it there for? That's a good application of of study when we're looking at scripture. All of, of Paul's previous reference is to chapters one, two, and three. So let's look at those. Let's compare chapters one, two, and three with chapters four, five, and six. Now, I don't really know that when Paul was writing this letter that he wrote in chapter and verse. I don't know that he did that. That's just how we've broken it down for us to all be able to speak in the same context, to know what we're talking about. In chapters one, two, and three, we see the position of the believer. We see our Christian blessings. We see the work of Christ in us. We see doctrine being laid out. We see privilege being laid out. We see our identity in Christ. Chapters one, two, and three, it's so clear as we look at it, as we've been working through it thus far in this series. Chapters four, five, and six, there's a different breakdown. Paul changes his conversation. He changes his tone. He changes the, the, the verbiage that he's using. He goes from talking about the position of the believer, the Christian blessings, the work in Christ, to talking about the practice of the believer, to talking about our Christian behavior, to talk about how Christ works through us compared to working in us. He talks about our duty as Christians as followers of Christ in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, where we see our position, our identity, our blessings, he so clearly talks about how we've moved from death to life. Just Ephesians 2 alone. Remember your old way. Remember what Christ has done. In Christ, our position, chapters 1, 2, and 3, it talks about so Much. There are so many things of who we are in Him. I'm a saint in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 3. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm chosen in Christ. I'm loved. I've been adopted as a child of God. I'm holy. I'm blameless before Him. All of those we can see in just the first four verses of His letter, of chapter 1. Chapter two, he goes on and tells us that we have access to God through the work of the Holy Spirit, that we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, that we're his workmanship, that we're created for good works. In chapter three, we begin to understand how loved we are, how Paul prays for us, but also that we would be able to approach God with freedom and confidence. Chapters one, two, and three, he talks about our position, our identity, and these blessings, chapters four, five, and six, which we're gonna begin to take a look at today and through the upcoming weeks, talk about our practice and behavior as Christians. We'll see in chapter four alone, next week, Amir Rashidi and one of our elders is gonna dive into this a little bit deeper and he's gonna talk about how we see these commands, how there are so many things that Paul urges us to do because of who we are. In Christ Jesus, in chapter four, we see we're commanded to speak the truth in love. We're commanded to grow up in Christ. We're commanded to put off the old self and put on the new self that we're created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. 
We see the, the idea of not letting the, the sun go down on your anger, and in your anger do not sin. We see don't give the enemy a foothold in your life or opportunity to sin. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful to those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving. And that's just chapter four. Chapter five, Paul goes on and talks at length about love and how we can walk in love, how we can be filled with the Spirit, about how we can be good husbands and wives, about chapter six, then he goes on to the relationship between parents and and children. He talks about how we can be mighty warriors for God's kingdom. If you've not yet, through this series, read the book of Ephesians in its entirety, my goodness, go home today, lock yourself in the room, tell the kids you're off limits, and just read these six chapters, and you'll see this tension. You'll see these, the disparity between one, two, and three, and four, five, and six so clearly, I promise you. It's amazing to look at God's word in both a large zoomed out context, but also this morning we're going to zoom in and we're going to dive deep. Look, first and foremost, in comparing the book of Ephesians and understanding the context of these six chapters, make sure you hear me. The key is not simply behavior modification. That is not what Paul is addressing. That's not what he's encouraging. He's not just saying, do better, be better. No, he's saying, look, because of what Christ has done for us and the example that he has given us, this is how we ought to live for his honor, for his glory. We see it even in the context of him saying, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. He's in jail. His perspective is that it's for God, for his glory. His perspective is even so much so that while he's in prison, he's not just like counting the days with the strikes on the wall. He's writing a letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage them for the edification, the building up of the body. It's an incredible example. I see so many devotionals and commentary today in in focusing in Ephesians 4, 5, and six that focus primarily on the emphasis of our own joy, peace, contentment, pleasure, of why we should do these things. And while yes, that is an outcome, it cannot be the outcome. It has to be for God's glory rather than ours. Please, I I challenge you to read Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. All right, the next key word that I see is the word calling. As we look at verse 1, we're going to begin just zooming in the microscope into into verse 1 here. I, therefore, a, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The word calling here is a Greek word, klesis. And for so long, I thought that that verse, this reference, this meaning was about those who were going to go into full-time Christian ministry, pastors, preachers, missionaries, children's director, all of those things. Uh, That was my context. That's what I thought. And while it's true that the Greek word klesis here means vocation, 
This verse and this context is the only verse in all of Scripture in which the word vocation is tied to the word calling. In fact, there are dozens of other contexts tied to the word calling that mean something different. And all of them mean invitation. That not just those who are called into Christian vocation, this verse applies to them. You could think easily, even by looking at verse 11, that it says where Paul says he gave, uh, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You're like, there, Pastor Eric, it's listed. The pastors, the, the full-time Christian people. No, 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 not so fast. Let's keep going deeper. Yes, the word calling refers to a vocation, but it also refers to an invitation. For many of us, we, we look at this passage and it's easy to believe that context. However, the word klesis in Greek, if not more so, is in reference to invitation, a, a divine invitation to embrace salvation in the kingdom and family of God. It's also connected to verses 4, 5, and 6. Look at these where he says, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism in God, one, or one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We're invited to be a part of the kingdom and family of God. Everyone, not just pastors, missionaries, full-time Christian people. We've all received this call. We've all been invited. The cool thing is I, I was studying and digging deeper. I realized that the word church in Greek is ekklesis, which is a, a short for a gathering of the called out ones, a, a gathering of those who've been invited. How cool is it that the church, the body of Christ, which is referenced here in one body, we've all been invited, we've all been called. How powerful is it to think about that in the context of this passage, in the context of the word calling. And while we might not all be called vocationally, we've all been called by invitation. And look, this calling is high. It is a high calling. There's a lot on the line. This is the greatest invitation ever. It's that once in a lifetime chance. It's almost too good to be true. The invitation that Christ gives us, this divine invitation to be adopted as sons and daughters, to have a part, to have all of the things that Paul references in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 said of us, of our identity, of who we are. A high calling. It's like when you get called up to the pros, you go. You don't pass that down. It's like when the man of your dreams proposes, you say yes, quickly. But what happens? It's not just about accepting the call. It's not just about accepting the invitation. It, we've all been annoyed by those people that when you're inviting them to your wedding, 
and you send out the RSVP and you're looking forward to, to spending time with them, to having them celebrate with you and they, they mail in that RSVP saying that they're going to be there and that they want the crab cakes. <laughs> and then they ghost you. Sorry, some of you don't know what that means. That means they don't show up. They don't give you a warning or reason or explanation. Nothing. They don't show. It's like they don't even exist. And you call them like, hey, the wedding's today. Are you coming? And you get nothing. You text them, are you going to be there? I'm so excited to see you. Nothing. You go the whole day wondering if they're going to be there. And it was the groom. He didn't show. How awful. Right? Like, honestly, how upsetting, how frustrating is that? We're all smart enough to know that it's not just about receiving and accepting the invitation, but you actually have to go. You have to show up. You have to be present. There's action, commitment. It's walking it out. There's a purpose and a plan involved, which brings us to the third key word, a plea. There's two keys and a plea. Hopefully that'll help you remember just by rhyming. (laughs) There's two keys and a plea. Therefore, looking at the whole context of this letter, these six chapters, therefore, and then looking at the, the word calling, the purpose, this high calling that we have. But Paul, in verse one, he gives us a plea. He says, I urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The word urge is strong. He doesn't say, I suggest, it might be a good idea, just something to think about. No, he's pleading. I urge you to walk, action, go, say yes, get engaged, be involved. Go all in. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling, the high calling that you have received, the high invitation that God has extended to you. To walk is referring to daily conduct of one's life. Figuratively speaking, it's referring to one's direction in life, the course that you've set out for, the path that you're going to take to walk in that direction. Walk is such a theme that Paul uses in many of his other letters. In Philippians, we see in uh, chapter 127, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In Colossians 1.9, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is the same pattern to walk in a manner worthy. In Philippians 3, we see it again. He he says, brothers, join in imitating me, keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, he, he talks again, he says, for you know how like a little, like a father with his little children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. To walk in a manner worthy 
of his calling, he connects it. It's something that Paul like can't shake. He can't get it out of his mind. It's something so significant that he tells multiple people in multiple letters about this concept, about this idea. It's so important, he says, that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've received. It's a high calling. It's an incredible invitation that God has given you to be a part of his family, that he adopted you as his sons and daughters. It's so significant that we shouldn't just sit there. You have to get up. You have to receive the calling. You have to say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will follow wherever you send me. Paul is urging the connection between the walk and the calling. You have to know what you're called to. You're called to Christ. You have to know what you're called to before you can be or do, before you experience in any way. Don't miss that. The key context here in which Paul is connecting the walk and the calling being worthy of the calling, look at verses two and three. He says, with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How do you walk? Yes, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've received, but he gives us even more detail. With humility. Look, sometimes it can go to our heads as Christians. We think we're better than others. You see this in churches all the time. And he says, don't forget with all humility to walk in a manner worthy of which you've been called with all gentleness. My goodness, I, I can't even be on Facebook this week with all the debates going on about human life and it just, it, it, it can be too much. There's not gentleness from people who call themselves Christians. It's bashing. There's, there's no love. There's no patience bearing with one another in love. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk in a manner worthy of the high calling that you have. As I was thinking and, and, and wrestling with this and trying to figure out how do I communicate this? God, what are you even saying to me? I, I realized that oftentimes in our spiritual walk, we can sit down, we get apathetic, we think we need a break. We just, <laughs> God, I, I, I deserve a, a rest. It's been hard. I'm going through a lot. We sit, we take a break. And while that break is great, God says that his, his yoke is light, his burden is easy, he gives us rest. It's not that we provide rest for ourselves. Rest in ourselves often, so often turns into apathy. My goodness, I've seen it in my own life far too many times, more times than I would care to admit. Apathy, it's, it's a lack of feeling, emotion, interest, or concern. It's being emotionless, passive, numb, complacent, disinterested, indifferent, and casual. 
Church, if those are words that you would use to define your Christian walk, then it's time to stop. It's time to get up. It's time to move on. It's time to put your hope, your trust, rest in Christ. Keep moving. Keep walking in a manner worthy to which you've been called. Don't just get stuck on the side of the road. No, I think the different perspective in which Christ modeled and gave us as an example is a word called passion. Capital P, passion, is often in reference to Jesus himself and what he did, enduring pain, shame, suffering for a cause worthy for us in love. Passion is an intense, driving, or overwhelming affection or desire. And look, in this context, it is always connected to suffering in a sense that it's worth going through. I will endure suffering. I will keep moving. I will keep on this path. I will keep going down this course because I'm passionate about Christ because I know how much he loves me, because I know what he did for me, because I've seen him too many times in the past provide when he shouldn't and give me grace when he shouldn't. Verse seven shows us this. Paul says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Look, this isn't just talking about the grace in which God's riches at Christ's expense on the cross. He's also talking about the grace in which he gives you in spiritual gifts so that you would be equipped to serve. Look at verse 11, now hopefully in a new context. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's not just talking about pastors, missionaries, full-time Christian workers. He's talking about you. You're called to be these things. He gave his Holy Spirit, as we see in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, that you would be sealed with that guarantee of his deposit, that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and he gives you spiritual gifts. He's given you everything you need to be successful in the Christian walk, the Christian life. Man, shame on us when, we, when we're apathetic when we think we need a break. The beautiful thing is that all of this is in context of the body of Christ, of the church. How sad would it be if your left arm just stopped working and you're trying to drive and you gotta, <laughs> come on, work, wake up. How sad would it be if your, your kidney just decided to stop working? We're all created different. God gave us gifts and abilities, talents for us to serve the body, for the building up of the body. He calls us to walk until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God in verse 13. In verse 13, he also tells us to walk into mature manhood to the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ. 
In other words, keep going, keep pursuing, don't give up, keep walking in a manner worthy of the high calling that you have received until he returns. Keep going, don't give up, don't quit. It's like he's cheering for us. Paul from prison, rooting us on, he says, walk until we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. He combines this analogy of the picture of the body with Jesus being the head who tells us how to operate, who tells us how to think, who tells each part of the body how to perform and function. It's because of Christ that we operate. It's because of what he does for us, how we live our lives. Look, there are different seasons of life. There are different stages of life for sure. There are going to be different paces in which you walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. For some of you, you're like crawling along, but you're still going. You're like hands and knees, just army crawling like, God, I'm not giving up. While everything feels hopeless right now and everything within me says, I quit. You're not. You're moving on. You keep going. Some of you, you, you've learned to walk. You've gotten up and your legs are a little wobbly and you might take a tumble or two, but you get up and you keep going to walk in a manner worthy of which he's called. Some of you, you're, you're running. You're like, I figured it out. Man, God's word is good. He helps me. His Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And, and you're just like flying. The rest of us, Paul says, be imitators of them as they follow after Christ and the example that he gives us. What a beautiful picture of how we can live and love like Jesus. And yet, some of us, we're stuck. We're just stuck. I want to I just end with this, this thought, with a question. Why, if we know we're called to a high calling, why don't we walk in a manner worthy of that calling? What is it that, that keeps us from walking? What is it that keeps us from pursuing the path, the the life that God has set out for us? Maybe for you, this is where I, I hope that God just speaks to your hearts. Because maybe for you, there are those moments where you just think, I, I, I quit, I can't, I'm out, I can't do this, I, I, I'm just, I'm done. In that moment, church, what, what is it? What's the thing that's keeping you from walking in a manner worthy, from keep going. You know what? If you ask God to reveal it to you, I believe with all my heart that he will. I'm convinced of that. I think if we're honest with ourselves, for many of us, it's in those moments where it's just hard. It's like anything in life. Doing what's right is always what's hard. Doing what's Easy is usually what's wrong. (laughs) I can illustrate it for you. Taco Bell. (laughs) Fast food. 
right? We, we know it's better for us to eat healthy, to have a salad. We know that. We know it's better for us to go to the gym and exercise. But it's hard. We know it's for our good to have daily devotions and spend time in God's word and, and read the Bible and pray. We, we talk about it in your small groups and you're, you're to the point where you're ashamed to even go to your small group because you're afraid that somebody's gonna ask, how is your scripture reading? Uh, I don't even know where my Bible is. And I got so angry the other day, I destroyed my phone so I can't even read you version right now. Are you, are you keep walking Keep going, walk. Paul urges us, he pleads with us to walk in a manner worthy of the high calling that we have received. I want to invite the praise team up and we'll close in prayer. During this last song, around the room will be some people, some, some leaders who would love nothing more than to just pray with you, to pray for you, to encourage you to keep going to walk in a manner worthy of which you have been called. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for how you speak to us. Lord, how you speak into our lives and into our hearts. God, would you help us to hear you? Would you enable our, our ears, our, our head, our minds, our heart, our hands, our feet to hear you? God, to be obedient to you. God, for some of us, we're tired. We feel like we're stuck. We feel like we've, we've gotten sidetracked. We're in a ditch on the side of the road and life just seems to keep passing us by. God, would you just reach down, help us up, that we would keep going. Would you give us a word? Would you speak to our hearts to encourage us to get up, to keep going? God, remind us of the path, the passion of Christ, that in the midst of his suffering, that, that as he was being beaten for us to pay the price that we deserved. And yet, God, he endured he kept going. For us and for God's glory. God, help us to allow that to be an example in which we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have received. God, move among us today. Help us, Lord, this week to be faithful to you, to what you call us to do, that we would know, see, understand your nearness, that we'd feel your presence, that we would sense your Holy Spirit's leading and how he equips us for good works, that we would follow after you. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to passionately pursue you and point people to you in every act, in every way. We thank you, Lord, for the example, for your word, for how you speak to us. We love you and pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Did you catch that last lyric? 
in this song, The Cause of Christ, it says, It is not fame that I desire, nor statue in my brother's eye. I pray it said about my life that I lived more to build your name than mine. As for his glory, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live a life worthy The Apostle Paul, he wrote another letter to a man named Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, we see in verses 8 through 14, Paul encourages Timothy. He says, therefore, remember that's a a key word. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. In other words, be passionate He goes on, he says, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. (laughs) Which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, he says, for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Isn't that amazing? This is a theme. This is something that Paul gets. (laughs) It's It's not just words on a page, it's how he lives his life. May that be true of us. Let me pray for you. God, would you equip us to know and understand, to walk out, to walk in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us from death to life, for equipping us for giving us these spiritual gifts, Lord, that we get to be prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, shepherds. God, thank you. Would you enable us to be truly the body of Christ, the church, a collective group of people who have accepted the invitation that you've given to us. Lord, would we do incredible things for your kingdom's sake, for your glory, and for your honor. We love you and pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Have a great week as you walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received.